1: Hey podcast friends, we got another special episode with one of my favorite guests. Uh, We have Brittany Fowler here again today. And if you remember, uh, Brittany and I talked uh, several times before, um, if you might want to go back and listen, number podcast episode number 48, where we talked about uh, laser hair removal, removing unwanted hair. Then she came back and we talked about postmenopausal bleeding, which is um, show number fifty, and then a really practical one, um, episode number sixty-four, drugstore gynecology. So if you haven't listened to those, you might want to go back and listen to those. But today we're going to talk about something, um, a condition that's pretty common actually, but there's just not a lot of known, not a lot known about it. Um, it's a disorder called lichen sclerosis, and it can cause a big impact on women physically and emotionally and sexually. So um, so join me today in welcoming our nurse practitioner, Brittany Fowler. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so we see a lot of lichen sclerosis in our practice. Can you just give people a, just a little explanation of what this even is?
2: Yeah. So lichen sclerosis, I think, gets brushed under the rug by a lot of patients. Um, In women, it's easy to think, well, I'm just a little, quote unquote, itchy down there. Maybe I sat in a wet bathing suit for too long, or maybe I've been going to the gym more frequently, so I'm just itchy. But it's actually a condition that if you leave it untreated, can cause some serious, potentially long-term effects. And it It starts with skin thinning. So the skin gets thin. You might have some hypopigmentation, which means the skin kind of turns white down there. And the main symptom or the main complaint is just really uncomfortable itching.
1: Yeah, I wonder uh, if there's any statistics. I, I probably should have looked this up of what the timeline is from somebody having symptoms to the time they actually got diagnosed. So I bet a lot of women actually suffer for a long time before they actually get officially diagnosed. Um,
2: yeah. And I think that's important The just to note that you really need a biopsy to confirm this, to get a diagnosis. Yeah. Cuz we can look at it in the office, we can take an ex- you know, do an exam, take a look at the skin and say this is what we think it is, but really you need that biopsy and it's important to get the biopsy also because these women put it they have a higher risk of squamous cell carcinoma, so you really need that biopsy.
1: Yeah. So again, let's just go over what are all the symptoms that people can get, can get with lichen sclerosis.
2: Yeah. So mainly, I think the most, most common that I hear, what kind of brings women in is the itching.
1: Yeah.
2: But then it also can lead to that skin thinning. And then that can lead to, you know, their labia fusing together.
1: And so people can actually then just start having pain all the time, pain with sex. Yes. Um, And then the fusing, um, if your skin fuses over your clitoris, it can actually lead to sexual dysfunction, too, or sex just isn't even. Yeah, very painful. Yeah. So painful and certainly not pleasurable. Yeah. And Um, I
2: think it's kind of important to note, too, just a common misconception that when I was, you know, doing research and. Learning more about lichens as I've come to your practice as well for several years. I didn't even know that this was a thing until I got really here. <laughs> yeah. Really you never heard about it? Nope, never heard about it until I came to work with you. So, but I, I wanted to point out one of the common misconceptions is this is not a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, like you can't give this to someone through intercourse. Yeah.
1: And I don't think men get this disease.
2: No, no, yeah. the planis on their skin I think, but not not yeah. in the genitals.
1: Um, what causes lichen sclerosis?
2: A couple of different things have been thought to lead to it. I mean, I think—correct me if I'm wrong—but there's really no known yeah, direct, knows. yeah, cause. But possibly, you know, genetic links, environmental factors, hormonal factor factors.
1: Yeah. So you bring up hormonal. Most people that are suffering most, um, sometimes young girls get this. But then a lot of people start getting it at the end of their reproductive life, sometimes in the middle. But so that's why kind of the hormonal factor goes in. But but you're right. There's no we don't totally know. Yeah.
2: And then autoimmune. Yeah. Plays a piece in it as well. Anybody with autoimmune conditions or autoimmune factors. Yeah. bringing up that women at the end of their reproductive life typically get it, that was part of the big push to do this podcast about this is because I actually had two women just in the past month come to see me for their annuals. So they were here to just get a pap smear for me. And they were both in their 40s and as i was doing the pelvic exam i noted just a little tiny spot where i thought it could be lichen's and you know on asking them they said oh yeah you know that's been itchy for years i've just never thought anything ab- about it so i did a biopsy and it both of them was confirmed
1: lichen's yeah we're we're like lichen experts over here now yeah. <laughs> so we're we, it is on our radar yes so how did you know to be suspicious for lichen let's talk about like what it what it looks like, what it looks like in the early phases, when you're kind of the disease is first starting, and then what it can look like when somebody's been suffering with it for years.
2: Yeah, so in those early phase faz- phases of the disease process, it was just a small, maybe the size of a quarter on these women's vulva that was just hypopigmented, that real white thin tissue. And when asked about it, you know, these women both told me, oh yeah, that's been there for several years and yeah. it never gets bigger, but it doesn't get better either. It's just kind of there. And sometimes, you know, I'll have weeks where it, it itches and it bothers me, but then it kind of goes away.
1: Yeah. And then, so that's early on, just like this white lesion, which, you know, again, should prompt anybody that's looking there, typically your gynecologist, maybe maybe a dermatologist to to investigate and in biopsy because it can be other things. Correct. Um, you want to mention what those other things can be, which is why a biopsy is important. So, like I said, the squamous cell is
2: important, and then yeah. any so kind cancer. of cancer. Yeah, any kind of any kind of lesion requires a biopsy to rule that out. That's kind of first and foremost. But then, of course, any kind of lesion down
1: there, right? We're gonna talk to you about STDs and yeah um some other skin diseases like lichen planus um like a precancer of the 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 vulva or or vagina. What about psoriasis? you see psoriasis there? Yeah, it can it? be psoriasis. I think psoriasis tends to have a little bit different look, but yeah. it could be it could be white. Typically psoriasis has some redness to it, but lichen sclerosis can have some redness um to it too typically in more advanced cases. Yeah. Um And then you mentioned, like, as the disease progresses, that the the skin gets thin. um, Then you can get some some scarring of the vulva, um, or like actually the labia start going away and fuse. The labia minora start fusing with the labia majora. Then the clitoral hood starts fusing. So we need to treat all
2: of this before, and that's the conversation I had with these women. Let's treat this before it does get so bad that you're miserable and you can't have intercourse and it's just making you really uncomfortable. And I think you mentioned earlier this
1: has a severe emotional impact on women. Yeah. So because now what do you think The let me back up a second. What do you think the percentage of women we see in our practice of people that are that were diagnosing um or I should say maybe early on in the disease course versus people that have been literally suffering for with this for years, maybe even decades?
2: What's the percentage that we think? see? Well, like you said, we're lichens, yeah. we're lichens experts. So I think we catch it early. And I think we just have an eye for it. Yeah, um, we catch
1: a lot. But I'd say because people come to us from all over the country, yes. I think most of the patients that um we see a lot more because they're seeking us out they've already been there done that with all the other treatments so i'd say most people are kind of at the severe end
2: yes and which other treatments yeah we should get into that
1: so how do you treat like sclerosis you asked me the other uh week when we were planning this podcast like when i was in my old practice how did i treat it yes clobetazole yeah.
2: That's everybody's answer, right? And some of those women that we see here that have come from all over the U.S. to see you for treatment, that's what they've been prescribed. Yeah. Year after year after year is just clobetasol, which is just a steroid cream, yeah. which uh, helps with the symptoms. An
1: ultra-potent steroid cream, very, very potent steroid cream. So let's talk about the benefits of clobetasol because, you know, it is something I do give everybody, you know, because it is the – I'd say the standard of care. I'd say – 99 plus percent of gynecologists, lichen sclerosis equals clebatazole. So let's go over what are the benefits of clebatazole? I would say the benefits,
2: first and foremost, are symptom relief immediately. You know, it's just going to take away that itch. But also, there is a obviously in today's world, like everything else, there's a monetary (laughs) component to it. And for patients, it's the cheapest. Way yeah. To get that. It's Here's a prescription.
1: Life. You get it covered by your insurance. See you later.
2: Yes. So. And it's going to help the itch. Yeah. But it's so, I mean, it's so short term. And if you're just continually treating it with clobetasol, the long term effects of that steroid, like you said, it's potent. So it's thinning
1: the skin. Yeah. So it has definitely some negative effects and it. Um, it's kind of like a Band-Aid over a bullet hole is you know, it's, it's helping the symptoms, you know, but you're not fixing the underlying problem. You're not doing anything to stop the disease course, but early on, like it will stop the itching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's not why most people are coming to see us because most people are traveling all over the country to see us they've They've been using clobezol for years and years, and yeah, I
2: have so many patients that come in for that initial consult where they know you know some of them will even bring their biopsy results when they see us for the first time. If they're seeing me for the first time, I know it's lichens, I have my biopsy here, and they have sought you out on the internet. <laughs> You're listed as like a lichens guru, especially in the Cincinnati area,
1: yeah so what do what do what do we do in our practice to? treat lichen because I'm, I'm not just the expert. We're all experts now because, again, so many people are coming to our practice. Yes. Um, so this is kind of bread and butter for us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the main treatment that we offer is the lasers. I mean, obviously, we have surgery later down the line with you, but hopefully we can get the disease process under control before they get there. Um, we treat them with lasers mostly. So we're yeah. kind of ablating that disease tissue and helping them start
1: new. Yeah. So this laser, it's the same laser actually that um, we use on the face. So um, it's it's not FDA approved for lichen sclerosis. So we're using it off-label. It's, it's FDA approved for skin rejuvenation. But You know, same principle that we're using on the face for facial rejuvenation is, you know, it makes tiny little holes in the tissue. And then when your body heals, it's regenerating new and healthy cells and healthy tissue. Mm -hmm. So then we can also add on. We
2: do um, PGF or PRP here in the office. So that's just growth factors directly injected into the into the tissue. And again, it's kind of the same process of you're helping with blood turnover, you're helping with cellular turnover to just restart with new healthy cells into yeah. the disease tissue.
1: You want to explain to people kind of what the experience is of getting these treatments? So, because uh, you can imagine having a, a laser of your vulva yeah. and uh, we typically inject the growth factors yep. either from your own blood or... Or from a placental donor for the growth factors. Like, it, it's. I know uh, it sounds not yeah. fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for anybody. Yeah, it's not the most pleasant thing we offer here. No, usually. It's not, a, it's not a facial.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be relaxing. No. Usually what I tell people is we have multiple things in the office that we can help you with comfort for for these procedures. We have the Pronox gas, which is a gas you're going to breathe in and out on kind of makes you loopy. Um and then we obviously use topical numbing. Yeah, so I like to
1: call that the peace pipe. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, it just takes you to la la land. Yeah, it's when you're when you're breathing it in, you think how that hurts, but I don't care. Yeah. But it's an, it's nitrous oxide, like you mentioned, but it's not as potent as what you get at the dentist because, you know, if you're just using the nitrous oxide, you can, you know, 15 minutes later, it's out of your system. Yeah, you can, can drive home. You don't mm-hmm. even need a driver for that. Yeah.
2: And then we're going to do some topical numbing as well. Yeah. Just directly on the vulva for, to help with those pinpoint needle injections. Like you said, we direct right into the disease tissue. so.
1: And then sometimes just because I know I am just the absolute worst patient with pain control is you know I also tell people like what to expect of you know this isn't a comfortable procedure and we do all those things you mentioned but you know if you want we can also because we're a medical practice um and we have license to prescribe we can actually give you some oral sedation too with some some narcotics um and maybe even a like a Xanax or something to take the the edge off.
2: Yeah. I think the key, like you said, is just preparing people. Um, the treatment itself, I mean, it takes us less than 10 minutes to do. So most of these patients have been uncomfortable for years. So to them, 10 minutes of pain is nothing because they've just been uncomfortable for years and years.
1: Yeah, and and most people are much better patients than I am, but <laughs> but again, I like to give people the option. But the downside is is you got to have a driver to take yeah, you home if we give you absolutely that oral sedation. What do you typically tell people of what to expect after they have a a laser with a growth laser with or without the growth factors? What does it feel like afterwards? Yeah, I mean,
2: it's a laser, so it's going to be a little uncomfortable. If we're doing the injections, you can have some pinpoint bleeding. I mean, it is needles um, kind of over and over again into that tissue. So just a little bit of pinpoint bleeding and uncomfortable. We're going to have a little bit of downtime with sex and things like that, but okay. usually it's not. It's, it's not, a little hot, like a little bit yeah. like a sunburn, but yeah.
1: nothing. You typically need a repeat dose of no, pain no, no. meds or anything like that. No. But you know, it just feels like a sunburn, but it's a little awkward of a place to feel like you have a sunburn. Yeah. There. Yeah,
2: usually patients tell me like when they come back for their repeat treatments, usually they're uncomfortable that day and then the next by the next day they're they're much better.
1: Now, we had a patient actually uh I don't remember what episode it was, but we actually had a patient uh uh describe her experience with um these treatments and how it basically changed her life and, and her, and her sex life. But can you just explain to people what are typical responses when people get this therapy compared to the typical response with cl- clovetazole? Oh my gosh, they're over the moon. I yeah. mean, so many people, I can't tell you even just
2: with hormones as well, but I can't tell you how many times a day I hear you save my marriage. Yeah. Right. Like I'm able to have intercourse again and it's not painful and I'm not, Sitting there, just scratching all the time, and yeah, it's a huge quality of life issue for these patients when they get the correct treatment and they do have symptom relief.
1: For me, um, it's probably one of the most satisfying things we do because people are so grateful. Yeah, like last week we had a patient who literally, she's still in her in her in her treatment phase. So we typically recommend six treatments spaced about a month apart. So she actually flies in from. Oregon oh and, wow and um comes here at least right now is coming once a month and she was just here last week and just started crying of Aww. like you can't even believe how much you changed my life and like it, it just it just just meant the world to me and absolutely Like just probably one of the best things I do of of treating people because you know I think I would say we have a hundred percent success rate of improving people's symptoms. Now, I'm not sure I could say a hundred percent of making people asymptomatic. It's pretty up, it's pretty high up there, but a hundred percent of people improve. Yeah. Some kind of symptom improvement. And obviously, the
2: earlier we treat, the better. Yes. So, and I think just to kind of bounce on that is, that's why it's so important. If you're itchy down there, get it checked out. I mean, I can't believe how many women say, "Oh, that that's been there for years and years, and it's you know, it's just a little itchy." But I think as women, it's easy to brush it under the rug, right? So it's so important to just get it checked out and get that biopsy.
1: The other issue is um, when uh, people have this, but then also have atrophy due to menopause. Yes. So what do you typically say when you have a postmenopausal person who's not on hormone therapy? So we can do topical creams, but they're just not as effective yeah. down there. So I typically like if somebody's not on hormone replacement therapy and they and they also are menopausal, is I like to kind of get it from the inside inside out and outside in so a topical how <laughs> use that <laughs> a topical hormone cream and then also um talk to them if they would be open and if they're a good candidate for systemic hormone therapies so um that's kind of the inside out thing cuz yeah. cuz then it's a double whammy is uh, if you have atrophy from menopause and lichen it just makes it that much more difficult to treat. Yeah.
2: So absolutely. And multiple symptoms too. I mean, you're kind of coming at it from different angles. You're treating the symptoms from
1: several different angles there. Yeah. What else? Did did we hit all the topics? You talked about how people are at increased risk of cancer. Um, I mean, I think the next is just um, you talking about surgery. Surgery is an option, but it's just so important to catch it early and let's So when do you tell people that they might consider having surgery? Because not everybody needs surgery. No, no, not at all. If the tissue is completely covering the clitoris. Yeah. So if your clitoral hood is basically fused and covered the clitoris, sometimes I can do some scar tissue release to kind of free up that clitoris. Yeah. Um, And if we catch it early enough, sometimes when people, their labia minora has fused to the majora, sometimes I can release that scar tissue too. So people have labia minora again. But sometimes that's not off the table. Sometimes it's just too late. Yeah. um, I don't typically like to do that like right out of the gate. Um, Yeah. We're going to want to treat them with lasers first. Because, again, I did that you know, years and years ago is I would do that right away because people want their anatomy restored. Mm -hmm. But what I found is if we don't get the disease under control, then it just grows right back um, or it just scars right back. So versus if we get the disease under control and make somebody completely asymptomatic, then there's just a a much higher chance that when I release those adhesions and scar tissue, that it's going to stay that way. Yeah. It's not going to come back for them. Yeah. So, cause I've had people say like, you know, I'm going to, I'll fly to you just for the surgery, but they're not interested in, you know, having, other treatment options. Yeah. And it's just not a good, it's just kind of a waste. Yeah. So, um, have you had people come to you and say like, you know, I want to have the surgery right now
2: no, and I think that's just because most people have done their homework and done their research on you and the practice, and the, they know that there's other treatment options available.
1: So, no, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I'm sure I will, but I, I haven't yet. Yeah. And not everybody wants that. Like yeah. some I'd say the majority of people are just looking to not be in pain and yeah. have the the constant burning, and, and, and they want to be intimate with their partners. Right. Again. So,
2: yeah, yeah, it's huge for these patients. Symptom control is what brings them in.
1: Yeah, like some of the patient stories we've had is you know, they haven't been um, sexually active with their partner for years or decades. Yeah, because
2: um, they're miserable. I mean, they're in so much pain, they can't even think about it.
1: So, um, now, I know some people across the country don't use lasers, but use radio frequency. And we have radio frequency in our practice, uh, um, a device called Votiva. Um, and I know other people across the country are using, and I don't get me wrong, I love Votiva. Like, right. Um, we did a podcast on that. You can search that um, on what Votiva is. Um but i i don't think i've had great results of using it for lichen does anybody ever ask you about that yeah votiva is number 65 of um what votiva can do but votivas are you want to explain to people what it is
2: um, yeah. So Vativa usually we're using in the office, it's another la- laser in the office and we're using it um, mostly for vaginal rejuvenation. So any kind of urinary incontinence, um, decreased sensation down there, it can help with that. So I Yeah, some dryness. Yeah, some that's interesting tightening. that you have people I haven't had that. People yeah, are so asking there's
1: several people across the country that are using a radio frequency device like votiva or thermiva yeah. to treat lichen. And you know, I tried it in a couple of people because it's it's a much more comfortable procedure procedure. Um, but it just doesn't work like a co2 laser does i was
2: gonna say well i imagine it wouldn't just make that microcellular injury it's just not getting yeah. getting I mean, deep it, it it helps
1: but it right. just doesn't work as well as the the laser does yeah so well thanks for joining us again Brittany. i think this people will find this super helpful and hopefully we, people will who have lichen sclerosis can learn from this and this can get passed around and people can know that there are treatments that work and they're not just destined to and life. there's there's other treatments besides all so, right That's, yeah all right
0: well thanks for having me thank you for listening to this episode of healthy her you can find us on instagram facebook and the web go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material, or links